a little bit confronting. Here at Unichurch, we've been working our way through a new series in the Gospel of Luke, and you're going to need a copy of Luke chapter 1 in front of you. You can look it up on Bible Gateway or nudge the person next to you. Luke is one of the four historical accounts of Jesus' life, and it's based on eyewitness testimony uh, written for a guy named Theophilus. It's meant to give him assurance about what he believes as a Christian. And in tonight's passage, what we're going to see is that you are just not that special. By the way, welcome to Uni Church. If this is one of your first times with us, I bet you're really glad you came along tonight. It's always nice to be told that you're not special by someone. But when it comes to special babies, there's really one who stands above the rest. You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone greater than the baby that we meet here in the pages of Luke chapter 1. Because Luke begins his gospel for Theophilus by introducing us to a baby who is about to be born named John. And turns out, John is an incredibly special baby. Even his baby announcement is extraordinary, right? It's insane. So just have a look there in Luke chapter 1 verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, that is a way to find out you're pregnant, isn't it? I mean, imagine being Zachariah in this story. You're married to Elizabeth and you're both getting on in age and you've never been able to have kids because unfortunately, Elizabeth, your wife, is barren, which in the time they were living was a really big deal. Now, we know even today, infertility is a massively painful issue, isn't it? that sadly, some of you will have to wrestle with at some point, or maybe you already are. But in the time of Zechariah and Elizabeth, having no child was this great sign of disgrace. Because children were seen as a sign of God's blessing. Marriage and family, they are a part of God's purpose for this world. And so even though in verse 6 there, we're told that Zechariah and Elizabeth are upright, godly, righteous people, right? Elizabeth, in her heart, feels disgraced. And then one day, one day you're just going about your business at work. You're serving as a priest in the temple, probably thinking about retirement when you're Zachariah's age, when all of a sudden, bam, an angel of the Lord appears before you, blazing in all of its glory, and says, Zachariah, you and Liz are about to be parents. You're going to have a child, a boy, you are going to call him, John. I mean, imagine that pregnancy announcement on your Instagram, right? 
Hey guys, just wanted to let you know, it was visited by an angel of the Lord today at work and Liz and I are expecting, hashtag never too old. Well, too bad if you didn't want to know the gender, right? If you, didn't want to, if you were going to do a gender reveal or something, angel just ruins it for him. Spoiler alert, it's a boy. And it's no wonder that Zechariah has doubts about this in verse 18, is it? Because it is, it's nearly unbelievable. In fact, some people will say that this is unbelievable. They'll say that these stories of angels and virgins falling pregnant and walking on water, those kind of things in the Bible, surely by now, we know the science has disproved all of these old wives' tales and that kind of stuff. But I just want to challenge that assumption for a moment. Fair enough, if there is no God, then this kind of stuff, like we just read, is baloney, right? Because there will be nothing outside of creation that could step into creation and intervene in it in a unique way. But if God exists, then of course the miraculous is possible. It's entirely plausible. In fact, it's rational that the God who made the world could step into it and act outside the general pattern that we see all around us every day. The question is not really, are miracles possible? But rather... Is there a God? Does God exist? And funnily enough, that's a question that Luke sets out to answer. Over the coming weeks in Luke's Gospel, we'll actually wrestle with the identity of Jesus and if He really is, as He claims to be, God. I want to throw that challenge out to you. If Jesus is who He claims to be, if He is God, then of course, things like we've just read, miraculous things, uh, they're possible. But the point Luke is trying to make here in these opening verses is that John is no ordinary child. You see it in the announcement of his birth. God is at work doing something amazing here, something truly remarkable is about to take place. An angel comes and visits an old and barren woman and against all the odds, God says to Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. A son that in verse 25, she says, will take away her disgrace. It's an incredible act of kindness from God, isn't it? And yet, there's something more going on here in this passage. There's something bigger than Zachariah and Elizabeth's story at play here. That is, there's something that makes John even more special than than he already is. And if we're going to wrap our heads around what that is tonight, then we actually need to spend a little bit of time understanding the context into which John is born. See, at this point in history, when all of this takes place here in Luke chapter 1, the nation of Israel were in a really dark place. Thousands of years before Zechariah and Elizabeth, God had chosen their ancestors to be His special people. Out of all the nations in the world, God had established the nation of Israel as His precious possession, right? They would have been His beloved people, and he was going to be their God. And so Elizabeth, what she could do, right, she could sit down with Zechariah overnight and she could read through the history books in the Bible, books like Exodus and Joshua and Kings and Samuel, those books from the Old Testament that tell the story of how God had blessed Israel, how God had made them into a great and mighty nation. She could read about these great prophets like Elijah who spoke God's word with power to people. She knew about the kings who reigned over God's mighty kingdom like David and Solomon. But, but in the time of Zechariah and Elizabeth, 
all of that grandeur and glory, all of that blessing, was now well and truly a thing of the past. See, Elizabeth could also read about how Israel had turned away from God and how they'd started to worship the gods of the nations around them, how they'd rebelled against God, sinned against Him. And so God had started to hide His face from them. He raised up nations like the Assyrians, like the Babylonians, to come in and invade Israel and carry them off into exile. And after the Babylonians came the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans until this once great and mighty nation of Israel, God's people, had now become like like a small football being punted across the world, right? In a sense, Israel were a lot like Elizabeth. Israel were disgraced by the time of Luke chapter 1. And not because they were barren, but because of their sin. And that's why John is really so special. Because look in verse 16 again there at what the angel says the baby John is coming to do. Verse 16 says, John will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's why John is a miracle child. Because after years of Israel living in disgrace, after years of being under God's judgment because of their sin, now, finally, here, a glimmer of hope. Finally, from out of the darkness, a ray of sunlight bursts forth. To you, Zechariah and Elizabeth, will be born a great prophet like Elijah, one who speaks from God. To you, Zechariah and Elizabeth, will be born one who is preparing the way for the Lord to come, one who is going to get Israel, the nation, ready for God. See, this is the moment that God is about to restore Israel to himself. In fact, God had made this promise to Israel for thousands and thousands of years. See, Israel's disgrace was not the only thing that Elizabeth could read as she worked through her Old Testament. She could also read about God's great promises of hope, couldn't she? All throughout the Old Testament, Testament, you see these glimpses that, that all was not lost, right? That one day God would come to restore Israel back to himself. That one day he would raise up a king to remove Israel's disgrace. That he would send them a servant, a saviour, to fix their problem of sin. All throughout the Old Testament, in the midst of Israel's judgment and disgrace, God has been promising that he would one day bring Israel back to himself again. And John, John was the great sign that that was all about to take place, that God was about to come to fix Israel's problem of sin. In essence, John is a little bit like the genie in Aladdin. That's a great movie. If you've seen the new one, you're wasting your time. Go back and watch the old one with Robin Williams, right? There's this, there's this wonderful scene, right, from Aladdin where after the genie grants Aladdin's wish to turn him into a prince, they do this kind of big triumphal march towards Princess Jasmine's palace to try and sweep her off her feet. 
And the genie, he, he leads this big song and dance, right? He's at the front and there's elephants and there's monkeys and there's trumpets. And he's signaling that the one behind, who is coming behind him is Prince Ali, right? You, you, know the, you know the song, Make Way, here he, do you guys know this song? Make Way, here he comes, ring the bell, bang the drums, you're going to love this guy. Okay. <laughs> That's what John is like here in Luke. He comes into the scene, onto the scene, after thousands of years of Israel living in disgrace and says, make way, here he comes, ring the bell, bang the drums. God is coming to remove the disgrace of his people. God is coming to deal with the problem of sin. Now, if you want to talk about special babies, here it is. What could be a more honoured and privileged position in the whole of human history than to be the one who goes before the Lord? John was more than just wonderful news for Zechariah and Elizabeth. John was wonderful news for the entire nation of Israel because his birth was the great sign that God was coming to earth to deal with the problem of sin. And that means that that even though John is an incredibly special baby, he's actually nothing compared to the one baby that we meet next. He's nothing compared to Jesus. Because look at how Luke talks about his birth. Verse 26, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. In the second, for the second time in this opening chapter, we see God doing something amazing here. Right? This time he sends his angel to a virgin called Mary to tell her she's going to have a child and they're to call him Jesus, which literally means, the name means God saves. And he's going to be great. He's going to be a king, right? A king like David and Solomon were. He's going to be a son, the son of the Most High God. That's why, did you notice in verse 39 to 45 when it was read for us earlier, when when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, the baby John leaps inside Elizabeth's womb. Because John is special, right? But as special as John is, he is nowhere near as special as Jesus. John came to say, get ready, God is coming to remove our disgrace. And Jesus came to say, say, hey, I, I am going to do that for you. That's why when Mary learns who her child will be in verses 46 to 55, she erupts into this incredible song, right? This great song celebrating God's salvation. It's why in verses 67 to 79, Zechariah bursts into song, not because of his child, John, not just because of John, but because Because it's Jesus who John is preparing the way for. It's Jesus who will bring forgiveness for the people's sin. And one of the things we're going to see as we continue our series in the book of Luke 
is that that's why Jesus eventually winds up at the end of this gospel hanging from a cross, dying with nails through his hands. Because it's in his death that Jesus fixes the problem of sin. It's in his death that he pays the punishment for our sin. He was suffering God's righteous anger for Israel's rebellion. He was facing God's wrath, the punishment for their sin. At the cross, Jesus does something remarkable. He bears the disgrace of his people. And he fulfills all of these great Old Testament promises, right? He, he makes it possible for Israel to step back into relationship with him. John was an incredibly special baby. Far more special than you and I, right? But, but he is nothing compared to Jesus. It's Jesus who is the main show. John is just the support act for him. Of course, I want to say, this is not just wonderful news for Israel. This is wonderful news for you and I too, isn't it? Because... Well, it's not just Israel's disgrace that Jesus removes now, is it? It's our disgrace too. In many ways, we are just like Israel. We're different, but there's many similarities too. We are in the same camp when it comes to God. Just like Israel, all people have rebelled against the God who made them. We've all turned our backs on Him and chosen a life of sin. And I reckon it's really easy to try and deny this, right? When I was growing up, if you had told me this, I would have just denied it flat out. But but when we take an honest look at ourselves, we know this is true, don't we? We've all done things that we're ashamed of, haven't we? We've all thought and and said things that we know are wrong. None of us loves God like He really deserves. Most of the time, we just ignore Him completely. I mean, we might present ourselves as these clean and squeaky people on the outside, these good people, but in our hearts, we know this is really true. Often think about if we had one of those pensive things from Harry Potter, right? Where you could pull out people's memories and relive them once again. I reckon we'd all be a little bit nervous when it came to our turn, wouldn't we? Because Deep down, we have memories that we're ashamed of. We have things that we are disgraced by. We all know we're guilty of sin, like Israel. We all know that we live in disgrace before God. But in Jesus, the wonderful message of Luke is that our disgrace has been taken away. As Jesus hung upon that cross 2,000 years ago, he was dying not just for the sin of Israel, but for our sin, for your sin, for my sin too. There is no guilt, no shame, no condemnation for those who trust in Jesus here because at the cross, our disgrace was borne by Him. Now, do you see why Jesus is so incredibly special? Do you see why there is no one in the world who compares to Him? Because He is this great saviour God has promised. He is this great son of God, this eternal reigning king. What am I compared to Jesus? What are you compared to Jesus? You and I are just not that special. Not when we compare ourselves to him. 
the world is not really about us, right? The world and everything in it, it revolves not around us, but around Him. And that's why, if you're here tonight and you're checking us out, maybe you've just moved to uni and you're checking out a couple of churches, you're trying to work out what you think, this passage is so helpful because it shows you who we are as a church. Here at Uni Church, we are a church completely and entirely about Jesus. We are unashamed about Him. Jesus runs our church. His Word, His, His Word, the Bible, it shapes what we do. So one of the things we say is, if you can show us from the Bible why something we do is wrong or why something we believe is wrong, then we'll change that. Because we are convinced that this church belongs to Jesus. And as his people, we are utterly devoted to him. It's also why one of our big prayers for us here at New Church is that God would use us to reach the campus. That God would use us to take the good news of Jesus to them because we're also convinced that what people need most at Newcastle Uni is not a degree. It's not an education or a job, right? What people need most in this world is to know and trust in Jesus. So we have this prayer that that no one would finish their study here at uni without having at the very least the chance to come and check out Jesus, without at least one person once inviting them to come and investigate Him. That's why we invest our time and energy into running things like the Life Series where over the course of five nights we lay out the claims of Jesus in a relaxed, non-threatening environment and we encourage people to ask questions and we look at the Bible and we discuss the truth about Jesus because we believe there is only one Saviour. We believe that everybody desperately needs Him. In a couple of weeks we're going to be kicking off a new life series just for Uni Church, for our friends, family and workmates who desperately need Him. Wouldn't it be amazing, wouldn't it just be the most amazing year if this year for you, God saved someone you knew? Wouldn't that be like the best use of a year ever for you, right? If 2021 was a year where you invited someone to life and by the grace of God, they came to know and trust Jesus. By the grace of God, they came to see that the world and everything in it and our joy and our hope, it's all tied up in Him. And lastly, I want to say this, this passage, this helps us see why for us here at Uni Church, launch is a must. In a week from today, God willing, thousands of students are going to flock to Newcastle. Thousands of students. They're going to flock here to study at uni or a TAFE or for part-time work or they're going to come because of pracs. And some of them will know Jesus, but the large majority of them, like me, when I first came, will be living their lives without even the slightest care for Jesus. And every year, just before uni gets underway, we'd love to get together here at Uni Church for part of Saturday to re- rekindle our old friendships and have fun together, right? But more importantly than that, to lift our eyes to Jesus, to sit under His Word, to be blown away by Him, to pray together, and to think about how we here at Uni Church are going to use this year to bring glory and honour to Him. Because we're not that, just that special, right? It's Jesus who is special.
And I say, if you haven't registered for launch this Saturday, get on that. Do it tonight, right? Commit to that. Not because I'm telling you, but because I know you love Jesus and I know you want to use this year with us to serve him. Because as we've seen in Luke chapter 1 tonight, there is no one more special than Jesus. There is no one greater in this whole universe than him. He is God, come to earth to save us from our sins. So why don't you join me in thanking God for him? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for passages like Luke chapter 1 and how Luke faithfully recorded from the eyewitness testimony the things that Jesus did and said whilst he was here on earth and the way in which he fulfilled everything that the Old Testament spoke about, all the promises you made, that one day you would come to save your people from their sins. Father, we thank you that as he hung on that cross 2,000 years ago, he took away our disgrace. He bore our guilt and shame. He bore our sin and he suffered your wrath in our place on our heart. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness this brings, that we can know you, that we can be made right with you, that we can have a sure and steadfast hope of eternity with you. There is nothing more precious to us than this. Father, we pray that you would help us to see the world like you do, to recognise that we are just not that special, that in fact Jesus is the one who is special that the whole world and everything in it revolves around him. And we pray this would shape who we are as a church. Please help us to be a church that loves and glorifies Jesus, that is completely and utterly devoted to him. Please help us to be a church that takes the gospel to the university, knowing what people need more than anything in this world is him. We pray for launch this Saturday. We pray that it will be a great time. We'd see old friends. We'd rekindle old relationships. We'd have a lot of fun, but more than that, we pray you would fix our eyes upon Jesus in that time and you would help us to think about how we can serve him together in 2021. And we ask this because we love you, God, and we love your son, and we want to give everything in our lives to him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.